going on another edition of Mid... I almost said let's open up another can of whatever. <laughs> I know what that is. Uh, I, I think it's news and information, sports, weather, everything that you need all rolled up into one package that we call the Midday Program. We always start off with a look at what's going on in Ag. And we have Susan Littlefield with us today. Well, good morning. Mimosas going to cost you more money. Mimosas are. Yeah, and yeah. so will the oranges you try to purchase in the grocery store. Uh-huh. Uh, latest information coming out. doesn't come as a surprise to many because of Irma. Yep. Has caused issues there. Kansas and Tyson, they're still trying to find a common ground, shall we say, and find a place to put the new facility. We've got the president of Kansas Corn Growers that will be speaking out about the importance of it being in Kansas. And then coming up at 1219, uh, Dewey will be on with Water Street Solutions at 1245. I'll have Jim Benfeld. He's the NARD president. Talk to him about the excitement of how Nebraska's NRDs is on a global perspective. Uh, world Bank has been here copying what the NRD is doing here. Really? To be able to share with the world. So that's pretty nice feather in our cap. Wow, it only took them 50 years to figure that out. I know, huh? I know. Jeez. And then Joe Gangwish will have Trent Fellers of Reform for Nebraska's Futures on at 117. All right, Jason Jorgensen's over here and got some uh, volleyball on the radar here. A little bit. Also, Nebraska has a new interim AD within the last uh, half hour oh, that was yeah. announced that Dave Remington's coming back to help the university. No kidding. Interim basis. There's a guy who knows what it's like to be in the center of it all. Good point. Uh huh. Or he could throw some blocks to get some <laughs> stuff done. But uh, yeah. they'll have a hold of press conference this afternoon. Now, he's not expected to be named the permanent AD. They just need someone in the interim. They're hoping to have a new AD hired within the next uh, two months or so. Right. So we'll give you the lowdown on that. And uh, the biggest story would have been, other than Remington, uh, a big fraud and corruption charge in a big case. Uh, This involves Adidas and a bunch of uh, assistant basketball coaches. A number of prominent uh, schools are being roped into this. Apparently kind of a pay-per-play deal that's been going on in college basketball. Another black eye for the NCAA, uh, that's for sure. And who knows where the tentacles from this all lead to. You know, isn't it interesting how once, you know, kind of one ploy is uncovered, that one kind of goes away, but another one always follows. That is true. So we'll give you the latest on that. Of course, uh, I'm just joking here, but folks at the SEC might be getting a little nervous. (laughs) Sometimes the paychecks uh, there are pretty good. A lot of chewed off nails on the floor. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, we'll talk some Husker volleyball. A couple of Huskers are named all-conference for that fantastic performance that the Huskers had last Friday at Penn State. Yeah. Okay. Here we go with a little business information, and Bob Brogan is on the hot seat. Stocks are edging higher in midday trading. Technology companies are recovering some of their losses from the day before. President Donald Trump disappointed in certain so-called Republicans who have opposed the uh, basically dismantling of Obama's health care overhaul. So those are a couple of things we're watching. American consumer consumers are uh, a little less confident this month, and uh, of course that's not good. Sales of new U.S. homes slumped in August. Some of the stories we're following today. All right, all coming up for you today on midday. Stay right where you are. Paul Perkins is in here, and he is, uh, well, you were thinking that maybe that cloudiness would be out of here by now. Yeah, at least uh, 
it, the way it was going this morning because it was really moving right along, but it's kind of stalled out right in central Nebraska into mm-hmm. northwest Kansas. Seeing that kind of a diagonal line there stretching from maybe Norfolk down through the uh, Lexington County area. And then west looks pretty good. East is pretty socked in. Here is your ag weather brought to you by Coolman Repair. Yeah, we do have uh, mostly clear skies in much of west central and north central Nebraska on into the panhandle in northeast Colorado. Looks like a fair amount of sunshine starting to make its way into northwest Kansas. Currently, that clearing line to about McCook, Lexington, Broken Bow, and Ord, just to near the O'Neill area, then points to the west, enjoying lots of sunshine, but still some clouds hanging tough as you head into central and east Nebraska and much of Kansas. High pressure pushing in today from the northwest, clearing out those skies. Our temperatures today will feel warmer, especially with the sunshine that will finally kick in, but still going to be slightly cooler than normal. High pressure directly overhead for tonight. That'll kick in just some light winds, clear skies, and rapid cooling. Those light winds will continue for tomorrow. It's going to be a really great day tomorrow with lots of sunshine taking hold. Those temperatures closer to seasonal for tomorrow on into early next week. We will see some weak low pressure track out of the desert southwest. Thursday night into Friday, just some scattered showers possible with that system since the moisture supply will be limited. Maybe some spotty rain lingering into Saturday. A stronger low is forecast to move into the area by Sunday. That low appears to generate enough moisture and instability to develop some thunderstorms for Sunday into Sunday night. And that is reflected in our long-term forecast for precipitation. As far as the long term goes for temperatures, the first nine days of October are forecast to be warmer than normal in both Nebraska and Kansas, so that will be beneficial for the harvest effort. The arrival of low pressure this weekend expected to bring above normal rainfall for Nebraska and Kansas this weekend and just for the early part of next week. Otherwise, near normal rainfall expected for the middle of next week through October 9th in Nebraska and Kansas. In the markets today, the weather factors include temperatures remaining above freezing over the central U.S. and a continued high chance for rain across the central part of Brazil. Wet conditions in the western Midwest will cause some short-term harvest disruptions. Otherwise, mostly favorable harvest conditions in the best. Midwest are expected in the next 10 days. Early harvest is also being disrupted across the northern plains from some wet conditions. But on the other hand, that moisture helping out the areas that were hard hit by drought during the growing season earlier this year. Neither in the Midwest or northern plains forecast to see any damaging cold weather this next week. The primary focus for heavy rain the next few days will include some southern portions of the Rockies and Plains, those rains will be timely and beneficial across the southern plains wheat areas for the planting and development of the wheat crop. Later this week in central Brazil, scattered rain looking more likely. That will be followed by significant rain this weekend and early next week. It had been dry in much of Brazil, and that moisture will improve the soil moisture for the soybean planting and growth. All right. Well, we'll be looking forward to getting into the harvest here and getting things dried out just a little bit now, I guess. Ag weather is brought to you by Coolman Repair. And as we go forward into the afternoon, what do we expect? A little more sunshine? Yeah, gradually pushing from west to east. Uh, the clouds will gradually uh, clear out because this high pressure will definitely clear things out and uh, get the drying going after some very welcome rain. A lot of locations seen about two to four inches total in rainfall with this system. So That's it was a good one. Quite a deal, yeah. And, and uh, Kansas got a lot of cloud cover right now. Would have been a bad day for an eclipse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we missed the bullet on that one. <laughs> when you need weather anytime. KRVN.com.
afternoon as we take a look at your agricultural news. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. The group Reform for Nebraska's Future is on the front lines of the property tax debate in Nebraska. Joe Gangwish has an update. No one knows the property tax plight of Nebraskans better than the group Reform for Nebraska's Future. And Executive Director Trent Feller says both agriculture and urban homeowners overwhelmingly want reform. At a recent meeting, Fellers was asked who the major opponent is to property tax reform. There's obviously some folks that want to see income tax reform uh, in the state, and uh, I think they need to turn around and listen to Nebraskans uh, that have been speaking very, very loudly for several years that property tax reform is the major issue in the state as far as taxes go, uh, and they want to see that happen, and uh, we need to deliver it for them uh, because uh, right now is the time to do it. Feller says they are actively pursuing getting enough signatures to place the issue on the ballot, but they are not giving up on getting something done in the next legislative session as well. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Joe Gangwish. The Swine Health Information Center is supporting a near real-time domestic swine disease monitoring system. The project will generate information useful for economic and animal health decision-making. Data will be analyzed to describe disease activity by major pathogen and or by clinical syndrome, documenting disease activity, now presence, but the respective geography that will maintain appropriate producer confidentiality. Now, the joint project is between Iowa State University and the University of Minnesota. A Northeast Kansas farmer remains hopeful Tyson Foods will still elect to construct a new processing facility in the state, if not in Leavenworth County. Tyson is considering other locations in Kansas after the Leavenworth County Commission pulled back $500 million worth of bonds to complete the project. Now, the County Commission acted following their announced opposition to the project. Ken McCauley is a Northeast uh, Kansas farmer and a past president of the National Corn Growers Association and current president of the Kansas organization. He says the news is disappointing as the project would be beneficial to farmers. Anybody that raises corn or soybeans or needs fertilizer that could be a natural fertilizer that everybody seems to want, it goes in way past the 30, 45-mile circle that they're talking about being able to uh, take full advantage of this project. But I'm really looking forward to, if this were to be in Tonganoxie, to help our basis on the corn we raise by making more competition. Then you got the other side of it. I've got grandkids coming up. They could be active in some other aspect of agriculture other than, you know, trying to find another 160 acres to uh, to farm. When announced, the Kansas Corn Growers Association said the facility would increase demand for Kansas corn by roughly 175,000 bushels per week, or 9.1 million bushels of corn per year. Well, the price of your mimosa at brunch or a bag of oranges at the grocery store may jump in the coming weeks. Experts say that after Hurricane Irma left some of the state's citrus produce and completely depleted. Hurricane Irma led to dozens of deaths in the Caribbean and southeastern United States and left more than a million homes and businesses without power in Florida. Before the hurricane, the Florida Department of Citrus expected more than 75 million boxes worth of oranges on the trees this season. Now they say they have much less. Now, looking at so far, they're ordering oranges from California for the company Highlight Food uh, Fine Foods. And if that's based out of Toronto, he says, but in about two to three weeks, he expects a short order to be happening. You can check out more news through RuralRadio.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Making land decisions less emotional. 
That's our topic today with Jason Ladman, Director with Water Street Solutions. Jason, land can be an emotional topic for farmers. What's your advice around that? Well, you know, land is an emotional topic within the farm and for varying reasons. Land has always been a desired asset, and history has proven that acquiring land and keeping it hasn't always been an easy task. You know, there's a huge sense of pride when a farm family sits around a kitchen table, talks about the past generations and all the toils and hardships that they had to endure for that piece of land. And emotions run deep when talking about a piece of ground that has been in the farm for decades or even a century. And that land represents much more than what you see when you drive by. It's about the legacy and the commitment of previous generations. And then there's the fact that you've been entrusted to continue that legacy. And each year, you have to make decisions that will allow your family land to be farmed by your family long after you're gone. And you know, family land is a special type of farmland for many of us, and that's why it creates emotion. But then there's other land that we're currently farming, whether through ownership or rental agreement, and oftentimes we think about this land in a much different way. And what are some of those other categories, Jason? Well, some growers purchased land early in their farming careers, but it wasn't passed down through the family. And it's likely been part of the operation for quite some time, maybe so long that it feels like it's always been owned by the family. And then there's the ground that we're renting. Perhaps we haven't been farming it for quite as long, and maybe we're not as familiar with it as with our owned ground. But there's a special link to this land through those we're renting it from, and that's our landlords. And it's about doing the best we can for them with their ground, stewarding it as if it was our own. And one of the toughest things about rental ground is that it's generally, generally less stable. No matter how great of a job you're doing, a landlord can decide to rent or sell to someone else. And a lot of that really is out of your control. And then there's another category, and that's the land you're hoping to rent or buy in the future but aren't currently farming. Maybe it's a piece near your home that you've had your eye on for quite some time, and maybe it's a new opportunity you recently became aware of, and you have to make a decision quickly. Potentially future land can be emotional too, but in a much different way than long-time family ground. You see, it's exciting as you consider the possibilities that new land could bring for your operation and the potential added efficiencies, but it can also bring up some anxiety as you make decisions about what to do. And oftentimes, under shortened time periods, which oftentimes can increase the feeling of pressure on making a decision. And the key question to be able to answer is this. Is the particular piece of ground worth it for my overall operation today, given my current financial situation? So what can we do to start answering that question? Well, having actual data on how buying or renting an additional piece of ground will impact your overall farm can provide more of a fact-based decision-making process. You know, maybe your gut is saying one thing, but the numbers reveal a very different situation. Or you're not sure if the additional ground will benefit your operation, but you know that you might be able to find some uh, efficiencies in your current equipment line if you added that ground. And the numbers in front of you, along with an analysis of what they mean by someone like an ag finance advisor, can make a really big difference. Through having a feasibility study done, many of our clients right now are are saying that they're able to have a better sense of whether a particular opportunity is the right one or if they need to just pass and wait for another one to come along. Cheap land isn't always a good investment, and high-priced land isn't always a bad investment. But making a decision without understanding the impact it has on your farm could be an unwise investment. So if you anticipate an emotional land decision this fall, be proactive in your evaluation and give one of our ag finance specialists here at Water Street a call. Go to waterstreet.org for more information or contact them at 866-249-2528. Our guest today, Jason Ladman, Director, Water Street Solutions. 
It's midday on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time to check sports with Jason Jordan. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, Dave Remington, who became the most decorated offensive lineman in college football history in the early 1980s, is returning to Nebraska to serve as interim athletic director. Chancellor Ronnie Green made the announcement today that Remington will run the athletic department during the search for a permanent successor, Sean Eichhorst. Since 1995, the 57-year-old Remington has been president of the Boomer Esiason Foundation, which raises money for cystic fibrosis research. That foundation sponsors the Remington Award, which is awarded to the nation's top center. Remington is taking a leave of absence from the New York-based foundation for up to 60 days. Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh and Ohio State coach Urban Meyer say something needs to be done about locker rooms for visiting football teams in the Big Ten. Harbaugh ripped Purdue for its substandard facilities for visitors and wants the Big Ten to investigate. He's calling for some standards for space, cleanliness, and comfort for visitors. Meyer agreed that poor locker rooms for visitors are part of the problem at some conference institutions. Nebraska volleyball senior outside hitter Annika Albright has been named the Big Ten Player of the Week, while fellow senior Kelly Hunter was selected as the Big Ten Center of the Week. The team captains guided the Huskers to a pair of road sweeps to start up Big Ten action. Albright had a career-high 19 kills, 6 digs, and 4 blocks while hitting 400 in the sweep of Penn State. Hunter had 39 assists and 9 digs in that big victory. And federal prosecutors have announced charges of fraud and corruption in college basketball, including against four coaches. The coaches are identified in court papers as Chuck Person of Auburn, Emmanuel Richardson of the University of Arizona, Tony Bland from the University of Southern Cal, and Lamont Evans of Oklahoma State. They are in federal custody and expected to make court appearances later on today. They were among 10 people charged in New York City federal court. Others included managers, financial advisors, and representatives of a major international sportswear company. They said the probe has revealed numerous instances of bribes paid by athletic advisors, including financial advisors and associate basketball coaches. Well, the Chicago Cubs can secure the National League Central Division title tonight with another win in St. Louis. The defending World Series champions beat the Cardinals last night 10-2. to And Novak Djokovic's team says Andre Agassi will remain his coach next year. The 12-time Grand Slam champion stepped off the ATP Tour following Wimbledon, where he retired during his quarterfinal against Tomas Burdick because of an elbow injury. Djokovic brought Agassi into his team in May before the French Open. They worked together for a couple of months. After Wimbledon, there were doubts that the American great would come back to continue to coach the serve. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Clear skies tonight, lows in the 40s, and I'm Dave Schroeder. Well, a big announcement today out of the Husker Athletic Office. Dave Remington, who became the most decorated offensive lineman in college football history for the Huskers in the 80s, is returning to Nebraska to serve as the interim athletic director. North Platte Airport officials have joined officials in Kearney and Scotts Bluff in recommending that SkyWest Airlines provide federally subsidized service to Denver. The North Platte Airport Authority Board voted Monday to recommend the St. George, Utah-based airline to the U.S. Transportation Department. Five other airlines also had submitted bids. If the airport selection of SkyWest is approved, the airline would replace Penn Air for flights under the Federal Essential Air Service Program. The Anchorage, Alaska-based carrier filed a Chapter 11 bankruptcy reorganization plan in August and ended operations for Nebraska and Kansas earlier this month. 
Governor Ricketts and First Lady Suzanne Shore touting the benefits of local services to keep children out of child welfare and juvenile justice systems. Yesterday, Ricketts said that the state relies on local groups to connect families to the services they need and prevent children from going into state custody. Be able to have that, those, those resources available to families at an early stage to be able to help them so that they don't get into crisis and don't end up, uh, say, for example, coming into our juvenile justice system or our uh, you know, child and family uh, uh, system with regard to the uh, Department of Health and Human Services, because then those situations get much more complex and longer resolved. Jennifer Scala, a senior vice president of Nebraska Children and Families Foundation, says the groups are trying to draw attention to the need for prevention through an initiative called Bring Up Nebraska. First Lady Suzanne Shore says she wants Nebraska's emphasis on local services to become a model for the nation. President Donald Trump is meeting with Republicans and Democrats from the House Tax Writing Committee as he plans a big announcement tomorrow on his tax overhaul proposal. The president says that he and congressional leaders will be releasing a very comprehensive, very detailed report that will offer a framework on his tax plan. Trump says the nation's tax system is too complicated and he plans to cut taxes tremendously for the middle class. Replay the game, interview, or feature you miss by catching a podcast from the front page of KRVN.com in the KRVN News Center. I'm Dave Schroeder. The Nebraska Natural Resource District celebrating 45 years. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Jim Benfeld is their president of the NARD, but he said this 45 years has brought now some national and international perspectives. We are at a focal point internationally now. We just had representatives from the World Bank that came to the NARD and several of the NRDs because they are starting to invest on an international level in water infrastructure, but they're finding they don't have a model internationally until they come to Nebraska of how to manage water, particularly groundwater, and that is significant. Also, all across the nation, we have staffers and our state director. I'm trying to meet requests and for myself to travel to other states simply to educate them on the model of Nebraska and how and why it works and how they can implement a system that is the envy of the nation and internationally now. Jim, that's got to say good things for what you guys are doing and doing right here in the state. As you welcome these guests, what is one of the things that maybe catches them by surprise as they look at the overall picture of what you're doing? How easily we do it and how accepting the recipients are with groundwater management comes groundwater control. And by that, a limitation of its use or how it's used and the fact that producers across this state welcome the opportunity for the education that we provide with it 
and the overall understanding of what the NRDs are doing and what we're, we're striving for and the, the community involvement and the producer involvement comes so easy, uh, it, it's amazing. Um, it did not at first. Anybody does not like to be told what to do. But when they realize the benefits and the overall sustainability and the life force that we're dealing with, it, it happens pretty well. Did it surprise you from an international aspect that they were... They Blew were me away. <laughs> it really, really did. When, when I hear we have requests from the World Bank that we want to come to you, their representatives, their investment committee in agriculture, wants to come to you because they don't have an international model of how to manage water and they, they want to talk to NERD and help us do this. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a fascinating realization. The conversations I'm sure that they had with what you're calling the worker bees within the individual NRDs as well probably blew them away as to what's that, being done here. Yes, and what they don't understand, it's not a top-down approach. And they, they had a little problem, I believe, understanding how easily that works, that all of the management decisions are, the final decisions are made by the local basin, locally elected representatives. And on our board, we have uh, school teachers, we have, we have farmers, we have um, uh, uh, retired uh, business owners, we have uh, an assistant dean of the university system, we have a representatives all across the spectrum of our municipality that are making the decisions of managing groundwater giving, given a set of circumstances that they need to deal with. So what do you guys see as you, as you move into the next 45 years? What are some of the goals and, and thoughts that you guys are starting to work on to continue to build upon what you've already got in place? Uh, that's a difficult question. Uh, because of my age, the, the technologies that we're able to benefit from are phenomenal. The uh, work we are really, really working in the area, not of quantity. We've, we don't have a quantity issue for, for the state. Uh, we want to protect the quality, and we're looking at that real hard, working along with Jim Mason with DEQ. We have multiple uh, partnerships, um, and the ability to use the adaptive technology we have to get a handle on that is outstanding. Uh, Central Platte is just putting in uh, a, a new uh, meter to measure uh, uh, quality standards that's real-time Comments with Jim Benfeld during the Natural Resource District's annual meeting. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network.
At a recent Farm Bureau County meeting, we heard from the executive director of the group Reform for Nebraska's Future, which is looking for property tax reform here in the state of Nebraska. I'm Joe Gangwish here on the Rural Radio Network. Trent Fellers told us what they are working on both in the legislature for next session and a possible ballot initiative. Our group has gone out and done some polling, and uh, we found that 77% of Nebraskans want to see some reform on property taxes. And so uh, we think we have the wind at our backs to, to take this thing forward. But people, the people of Nebraska want property tax reform, and uh, our group has been formed to uh, deliver that change and to, to balance out our state tax system. Obviously, the legislature hasn't delivered, so we're looking at taking it to the people and collecting signatures to go to the ballot in November of 2018. Uh, we're also uh, not completely giving up in the legislature. Uh, we'd like to see the 49 senators that are in Lincoln take this issue and pass something meaningful to give property tax reform not only for, for agriculture but for homeowners in Lincoln and Omaha and other places in the state that have been seeing their property tax bills going up. So, uh, you know, I think we're in a unique time where the state uh, wants to see one tax system shifted uh, and, and changed and uh, our group is pushing to do that. Is that the key thing now is making the urban folks understand this issue too, what we, we face out here in the rural area? Well, I, I think they're seeing it on their property tax bills, too. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think they're understanding that the ag economy is lagging. And one of the issues that is uh, making the ag economy lag is that property taxes are way too high. You have uh, producers that are paying as much uh, property taxes as it takes to run their farms. And uh, and that's not a system that we can have in Nebraska. Uh, so our group's looking to change that. I think blending the urban homeowner and the agriculture producer together and, and, and bringing them together on an issue like this will get a success either through the legislature or at the ballot box in November of 2018. You had this question at uh, the Dawson County Farm Bureau meeting tonight. Who's going to be the, the major folks pushing back against this type of thing? Well, it, you know, there's obviously some folks that want to see income tax reform uh, in the state, and uh, I think they need to turn around and listen to Nebraskans uh, that have been speaking very, very loudly for several years that property tax reform is the major issue in the state as far as tax go uh, and they want to see that happen and uh, we need to deliver it for them uh, because uh, right now is the time to do it uh, getting uh, the signatures uh, getting that rounded up where are you at in that process uh, we're we're still organizing I got a meeting tomorrow in Lincoln uh, to figure that out uh, you know it uh, we need to deliver something to the Secretary of State's office and it's uh, you know we're, we're we're moving some of those things forward uh, but uh, you know I, I think absent some something happening uh, otherwise I think it's some, that's where we're headed. Yeah. Are you getting positive feedback, though, on that? We've been getting great feedback from it. Uh, you know, we've been getting great feedback because we're, we're on the right side uh, of the issue. And uh, when people hear you talking about, hey, we're going to go and uh, uh, do a property tax proposal, uh, they get pretty fired up about it like they did at the Dawson County Farm Bureau meeting tonight. What's been the reaction of some of the rural senators on possibly putting this issue on the ballot? Yeah, um, they're pushing us to go forward. You know, they want they want to try through the legislature next uh, next January, but they're saying, hey, you know, we we can't put all of our eggs in one basket. We we need to figure out how to take this thing and and make sure that we can ensure success somewhere. So, uh, and I think when you have seventy seven percent of Nebraskans that want to see one issue pushed forward, uh, it gets you a little bit more uh, wind at your back to to go out and collect those signatures and put something on the ballot. Trent Fellers with the group Reform for Nebraska's Future here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Joe Gangwish. 
Now our closing grain market analysis from the Rural Radio Network. I'm Joe Gangwish with John Payne, Senior Market Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago, also the publisher of This Week in Grain. So another down day for soybeans, John. Yeah, I think second day in a row uh, we didn't get any new grain or soybean sales, so that Chinese holiday approaching is probably the reason for that, uh, combined with these reports coming off the combines that uh, beans are good. And we've got uh, harvest ramping up really across the country. Southern folks I work with, uh, northern Alabama, southern Tennessee, all the way over into uh, you know kind of Mississippi River Valley there near up Missouri. Everybody is working now, and I think you're starting to see a lot of that product especially overages come to the market as folks really don't have any interest in storing soy or storing soybeans. So look for a little downside here. 960 has really been the magnet price uh, for beans in the short run. You know, maybe we run down to 940 one more time, but I wouldn't be selling breaks in this market. There's a lot of demand out there, and uh, you know, even if the supply is a little higher than we think, I think that'll get absorbed rather quickly, and then we'll be on to uh, next year's crop in South American weather. So uh, I think shorter run here, we look for uh, you know directions to go to the downside, but uh, don't get too bearish here if we break, say, 20, 30 cents from here. Yeah, we had, John, yesterday's final bell program, weathering the storm from the harvest market. Uh, looking at today, any damage done on the charts? What do you think after really. uh, yesterday and today? Not really. I, I you know, I, I think still kind of an uptrend in play there. Uh, you could see another sharp move down. Like I said, 940 is in the cards. Um, but, again, I think there's there's going to be support. It's about timing on this market, not, not so much about uh, if we'll go higher. It's about when, in my opinion. The funds are... I'd say somewhat close to square, and I think across the board, really, in the, at the Chicago Board of Trade, when you're looking at funds uh, and, the, and the amount of money that's pushing trade around, this is a time of the year where folks tend to be a little more uninterested in being in the market. If you've been trading all year long and a lot of these uh, funds get reported on quarterly, if you've had a good quarter, there's really no reason to take a, a gamble into this report because it's going to directly impact your bottom line whether you're right or not. So those last two hours of the trade on Friday are going to have more bearing on what the you know investors see as your performance than anything that's going to happen on Monday and beyond. So I think a lot of folks getting flat here, uh, you know, very little price action to trade into. So even as a producer side, uh, you know, if the market rallies, I expect the basis to widen out. I just think right now we're in this environment where we're not going to see prices move too much, and in fact. I, I, if you're going to sell something, I think you'll get the deferreds. The carries are there, and you know, corn up around four dollars probably seems like a good spot for me to get short. All right. If you have questions for John Payne, senior market analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing there in Chicago, ask him about any of the commodities: corn, wheat, soybeans. Just go to DanielsAgMarketing.com for John's contact information. That'll do it for our closing grain market analysis here on the futures. I'm Joe Gangwish on the Rural Radio Network.